Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, heroes, and welcome to another exciting episode of One Shot. I'm Tracy Barnett, your host and narrator. Heroes, we have a bit of a treat for you this week. We have the one, the only, James D'Amato, and only James D'Amato. It's James's first solo game, and we have this here. I know I said Firebrands last episode, but we have this here because we needed to get something in before a very, very special event next week which is the 500th episode of One Shot. So sit back, relax, and listen to James play a very, very good session of With Sword Heavy in Hand. All right, heroes, let's meet our party for this week, and it's just me! I am the only party because we're recording a solo RPG. This is a pretty big break in our formula, and you might be wondering, why are we doing it? Well, part of it is that I have literally just never done a solo RPG on the show before. A lot of One Shot is about exploring the possibilities of role-playing games, and it feels weird to leave out what has become a major genre unto itself. And the other reason is that we estimated that previous series would be a little bit longer than they actually ended up being. And I've already recorded the series that will be the 500th episode of One Shot, so we just needed something that we could sneak onto the feed instead. So I'm going to be playing my first solo RPG. This is literally the first time that I will actually be playing a solo RPG uh, through. I have sat down to play solo RPGs before, and it's a genre that has never clicked with me. Now, to be fair, I haven't tried what I consider uh, the RPGs that would probably have the best shot at this. The keepsake games that are designed by Jian Shim and, and Shin Ying Core, like, I think those games, if I did have the time to really sit down with them and play them, I would have a really good shot at finishing them. I've tried other solo games. They were mostly lyric games, and I felt them not clicking with me, and so I kind of backed out of the process. Um, but the game that we're playing today, or that I am playing today, with sword heavy in hand, is by, uh, oh goodness, Kina Shaw, I think. Um, I realize <laughs> that I have a dyslexia, and I have been auto correct I, I i've been changing the i've been changing the order of letters in this person's name uh in my head reading it uh for a very long time so i probably have not pronounced it correctly if i spoke it aloud before um but i think it's kina shaw um who i was really honored to have as part of the ultimate micro rpg collection uh was one of those people who i didn't really know well when i reached out to them and they had such an impressive body of work and and everybody that I know spoke of them so highly. I was like, oh, I hope we can get them for this project. 
And when they responded positively, I was kind of over the moon about it because I wanted to see what they would do. And when they suggested that the game that they were doing might be a solo RPG, I was really thrilled because we only had a couple in the book and not many that were specifically purpose built for that. A lot of them were flexible that could move to two players or more if they needed. Um, but this is for one player and built that way. So I was really, really excited, and I have been kind of nervous to approach this game. Um, I don't want to say I've had bad experiences with solo RPGs in the past. They just haven't clicked with me. And, you know, when I sit down to play a game, I really do want it to click with me. Uh, and if it's a solo game, I don't have a group to bounce my energy off of. So if it's not working with me, I, I'm afraid that it will be obvious and that I won't be showing the game off to like its fullest potential of itself. But Kiana is like one of the designers who I have the fullest faith will be able to design a solo RPG that will be not just a good experience for me, but a great experience for you, my listeners, to hear me play completely alone. So I am just, I think, going to mostly read this game aloud. Uh, this is in the Ultimate Micro RPG book. Uh, you can go out and and purchase a copy for yourself right now and and have the full rules for it. Um, but I don't feel bad reading the whole text aloud if that's what ends up happening. I mean, there are sections where I roll, so I probably won't be reading the whole text aloud. But because there is so much more to, to the book that you could get this in. This is a game about embarking on a journey of remembrance and making a fateful choice. Long ago, you had a companion, and together you were two warriors invincible with your swords. But something broke you two apart, and your paths were separated until now. You have been tasked to stop your former companion and their plans for destruction, even if they must fall to your blade. What places will you pass through on your journey to find them? What memories will you unearth? And what will you say and do when you finally see them again? Intense. Thrilling. I love it. Uh, so now we're setting up. And a big part of setup is names. So I am going to go to a fantasy name generator. As naming characters is one of the things that I am worst at. And I feel like having a few names will help me springboard off of something. Oh my god. There are so many. All right, I'm going to knight names um, because we were supposed to be invincible with our swords. Um, so that that feels like that could easily be knight to me. So my options are Paul the Smiling, Audrey the Hungry, Dump the Stranger, which feels bad, Janelle the Courteous, Sagard the Relentless, Salmon the Rude, Anfroy the Illuminator, Owen the Deviant, Alanis the Friend, and Reichard the Valiant. All right, immediately I am drawn to Reichard. I like that. I think that is going to be my companion's name. Um, so let me write that down. And now I need to have my name. 
And I feel like, you know, we started in a positive place. You know, we were adventuring together. We were supposed to be un- invincible. Something drives us apart. So I feel like that needs to start off with us both being good. So I feel like the stranger, the courteous, uh, the courteous might work. Uh, the relentless and the rude, the deviant, those don't feel like they work. I think I'm going with Alanis the friend. And I might swap Alanis out for for Paul. I like the idea of of making this gay. So I'm going to go with Paul the friend. So we've got Richard the valiant. And I'm Paul the friend. This is making me think that, you know, we might have been invincible with our swords, but that that has some scare quotes around it. I kind of think Richard was invincible uh, with a sword and I was the friend who was there. So what is my name? My name is Paul the Friend. Uh, What is the significance of the sword you carry? Oh, wow. I think a long time ago, like when we had our adventures, actually when, when Richard like finished our adventure, the adventure that we were on together, Richard gave me his sword. And he said something to the effect of, I lay this sword down today and I bury it within you. Never again shall my hand touch this blade and never again shall my heart know violence. For you will keep this for me and you will keep this from me. And the sword itself is a sword that has done legendary things. I think there are lots of stories about how when Richard wielded the blade, it was capable of truly miraculous things. So many people swear that it is a magical force unto itself, that anyone wielding such a blade would be able to be capable of miraculous feats in the way that Richard was. I don't know if that's true. I am the friend. I was there to be a companion to Richard on this journey. I'm not a fighter. I have held this sword because I took Richard's promise and oath very seriously that he would never again touch this blade and his heart would never again know violence. So this is the sword that made Richard a legend, or this is the sword that Richard carved a legend with. Whether it was by his hand or the blade's magic is immaterial. The significance of those two things are wrapped up in one another, and I have kept it for years, partially out of an oath to my friend. So, The significance of it is a lot. Uh, This blade doesn't just symbolize the journey that we went on, the deeds that Richard accomplished, uh, our connection to each other. It also represents Richard's commitment to lay down the path of violence, to bury it, to completely separate himself from it. It is a lot. It is a weighty thing buried within the steel of this blade. What personal stake do you have in this mission? I think this is a really complicated mission. I truly believe that uh, Richard and myself have not seen one another 
since the day we parted. I think that was part of it, part of Reichard's oath, part of the concept of burying the blade within me, is that we would accomplish this great deed and part ways so that the deeds that we did, the journey that we went on, stays permanent. That all of the things that we accomplished together stay accomplished. And that Reichard turn away from violence. That this last quest that called him to the blade be the last quest he goes on that, you know, ends in bloodshed and lives lost. But in order to do that, we had to make a sacrifice. And the sacrifice that we made was seeing one another. I have guarded this blade all of these years without Reichard and from Reichard. And both of us have felt that. Being called to stop Reichard from doing something like this, you know, it means that all of these years I have kept myself separate from him. As much as it pained me and, and hurt me to do this, I really believed in the oath that Reichard took, and I was willing to make that sacrifice for the benefit of the world. And having to go on this journey now means that Reichard was not able to keep the oath in the same way that I did. That all of these years that I, I suffered without being able to see him, I essentially suffered for no reason because the oath was broken, Reichard turned back towards a path of destruction, and I feel like if I could have been his, at his side, maybe there's a possibility that that I could have prevented this from happening and that I'm being called out now after these years without him, all of that suffering to do something that maybe I could have done in the first place. If only we had allowed each other to be there. Why do you still care for your companion? I love him. I, it, it's that simple. Uh, you can't go through the things that we went through on that journey together without coming away with some form of love. And love is something that people like to put in little boxes. You know, the love uh, between friends, the love between family, uh, the love between romantic partners, the love between frivolous uh, erotic connections. All of these things became tangled in the relationship that we forged together on this journey. And yes, I have spent years without him at my side, without being at his side. But that connection that we formed is still there. Even if it is strained under the weight of distance, I've felt it every day, his absence every day. The love between us hasn't faded. It's simply taken on a different feeling. What was once warm and nurturing is now, is now heavy, full of longing and sorrow. And this is a path that we chose and we chose together because 
As much as we loved each other, we also believed in what we were doing. You know, Reichard is Reichard the Valiant. Reichard is someone who is willing to spend so much of his life on such a difficult journey and to sacrifice something that meant so much to him to make sure that those valiant deeds were well served. That is always who he will be to me. That is who I know he can be even now. That's why I go on this journey to stop him in the first place. It's because I believe in Reichard's convictions. I believe in the convictions that we held together. I believe even in the most difficult choices that we had to make together. And moving to stop him now, that is yet another act of love that I happily perform in his service. Now we've got to create my former companion. Well, we already have a name there. It's Reichard the Valiant. What relationship did you have with them? I don't think there's a single word for it, and I think you could have called it different things at different times. You know, I am known as Paul the Friend. So, yes, we are friends. That is an undeniable truth. No matter what form our relationship took and what changes it went under while we were on our journey and in the years after our journey together, I have been and remain his friend. Now, that friendship has other strings woven into it. I was, for a time, his lover. I was, especially in moments of quiet and peace that we managed to steal on the harrowing journey that we took together, I was known as his love. The sweet and precious thing that brightened his world. I was also his caretaker for, for more times than I can count when he was suffering under an injury, when the weight of the things that he had to do in front of him bore down on him and drove him into the earth and dirt. I was there to patch him up. I was there to pick him up. And I suppose for the years that we've been apart, I have been a rock, an ideal, just a memory, but an important one, a memory that hopefully keeps someone bound to something they believe in, something that really means something, not just to themselves, but to the world around them. So our relationship is complicated, but the foundation of it has always been love of one form or another. Why did your relationship break apart? We made the difficult decision to sacrifice it for a good that we believed in. It's not that we didn't think the relationship could exist if we were not on a journey together. I think there might be some secret fears buried within each of us about that. That all of these intense and beautiful things that we have felt together 
were because of the journey in some way. That, that no one who went through the things that we went through could come out of it as anything other than incredibly, than profoundly bound friends. If you didn't have the strength to form that kind of relationship on that journey, I dare say there's no way you could have come out of that journey at all. While that fear may have been a part of that choice, it was not the only thing involved in that choice. There is some magic to it that the things that we needed to seal and cement into the world were things that could only be bound with a true and profound sacrifice. Whether you believe in magic or, or have faith, you know that there is some power to these things. That taking a look at the beautiful thing that we had created on this journey and offering that up to the world, that has power. And in that moment, we needed power more than anything. But there is something more. Again, Rayshard buried the blade within me. Metaphorically, of course. He knew that he could not bury the blade within the earth. The earth is not enough. Should his heart hunger or pang for violence once more, the earth would not be enough to separate him from the power of that wicked blade. Only me, only a thing that was so sacred he would never tread upon it. Only that could separate him from the blade, truly. And to make that easier, we had to be a part. I would be the earth around the blade. I would become the tomb of its violence. And in turn, Rayshard's connection to and hunger for violence. We would live away from each other in sadness, but not remorse. In doubt, but never wavering in our pledge. And that worked for quite some time. Why must they be stopped? It comes down to as simply as Rayshard with a blade was invincible, could not be stopped by anyone or anything. That when he opened his heart to violence, there was no limit to what he could accomplish. Only his desires held him in check. That's not the sort of power that anyone should have. That's far too much responsibility. People have folded to the wickedness in their hearts for much less power than that. And as good as Rayshard was with a blade, I could tell, and he could tell, that he did not love violence. It was destructive to him. It wore on him. So often in the times when I needed to tend him, to nurse him back into a waking and healthful thing, 
it was because of the ways violence had torn at him. Even if he was the victor in his battles, he still carried the wounds that he inflicted on those who opposed him. At that time, I knew Reichardt, and I knew that I was there to help restore him to what he wanted to be, to who he truly was. Now that I am separate from him, and that I hear he is on a path of destruction, that violence has somehow found him again, I do not know who is by his side. I do not know who is tending him, if they have even seen him, as I don't think anyone could have seen him in the ways that I did. Without knowing who he is, how can you restore him to what he wants to be? There were times when Reichard would look in a mirror and not recognize himself. If he is to be saved, if he is to be protected, it is me who has to do it. He has to be stopped for his own sake and the world's. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All right, so let's get into gameplay. Your journey will take you through six different locations. Roll a d6 or pick one of the locations from the following list. You may re-roll any duplicates. Okay, so I guess I will be using every location on the list. I get we'll, we'll try to do things in random order here. The first thing I rolled was a six, a glittering desert under the sun. Each of these locations evokes a memory of your time with your former companion. Roll a d6 or pick one of these memories from the following list. I got a six again. A moment in a home, sanctuary, or hideout. So we begin on the desert. I had stayed at the site of our final victory. This desert is not a natural one. Um, it is mentioned to be a sparkling thing. Uh, it is a desert of splendor. One of the deeds, and perhaps the greatest deed Reichard the Valiant ever committed, was dismantling the golden palace of the Demon King. All of the sparkling crystal heights of that tower had been broken down into sand. And that is where I had been living. In an, oa in an oasis, and not alone. There are other people in this desert, but they're all people that... 
Richard and I committed to helping me with my task of burying the blade. We lived in this oasis on sand made of gold. And when word came to me that I had to leave, I moved out into the desert. I knew that this place was still full of the, the demon king's magics, that it would show me visions, uh, but I was not prepared for the ways the visions would haunt me. I saw as I traveled every moment I was afraid that I would lose Richard. In the beginning, they were simple things, moments of, of raw violence as I stitched a wound or held compress over a laceration to staunch the flow of blood. But then it moved into moments that were somehow harder, somehow darker, moments where Richard disconnected from himself, disconnected from the world, and nearly disconnected from me because of the things he had to do and the things he had done. These things lived beside me, my companions through the glittering sand. It wasn't one memory, it was thousands of memories, but in a way, they were all the same memory, of the same fears. They played out and danced across my vision as the last cruel thing the Demon King was ever able to do to me or Richard. Eventually, I crossed out of the desert. Now, I choose two questions from the following list. What here makes you uneasy? I mean, obviously, seeing the times that Richard was hurt are distressing. But also, I think this is one of the only times where I have been able to see the distress of caring for Richard externally. I am able to see the pain and anguish on my face. It has been years since we've been on this journey. And one of the blessed things about our relationship is that my memories within the Oasis were always of the happy times. I, of course, remembered the difficult things we did, but I wasn't haunted by the nightmares of those memories. I was warmed by the cherished moments that we shared by the fire, in pools of warm water, and one another's arms. But here, I can see that my time with Richard was fraught, that for all of those good things, I suffered much trying to keep him together, to keep all of this going, to keep our hope and dream alive. And it is difficult now, especially knowing that he has turned back towards destruction. I am uneasy wondering how much of what I built Richard to do in all of those moments where I was tending him and restoring him was me and my desires for him 
instead of what he truly wanted or needed. I felt that I knew his heart better than I knew anything in all the world. And I knew the moment that we parted that he would never again turn back towards the path of violence. But now I cross this desert to stop him. How well did I truly know him? How well did I know myself? And how well did I know our journey? What thought lingers with you? I am confronted by these visions, but there is no sound with them. I do not hear the words that I spoke to Richard. I do not hear his responses to me. There are moments where I can see agony, where I can see tears and wailing, and there are moments where I can see soft speaking. But I have never made a practice of reading lips. I don't know truly what is being said in these moments. And what lingers with me is that is the Demon King's design. Whatever wicked spell is woven into the fragments of his palace that have become the dust of this desert, the things that we said to one another are not what he wanted to confront me with. He wanted to show me the scenes of suffering, but disconnect me from the words which Ultimately, we used to heal one another and continue on. The part of me that has faith in the things that we did, and faith more than anything in Richard himself, believes that it is extremely significant that words were kept from me here, that the truth is greater than the pain that I am confronted with right now. And so I continue on. Now, the game does call for you to roll six locations, and based on how much I got out of that one, I think I'm just going to do two more. All right, so it's probably time to move on to the next location. All right, a one this time. A valley of ever-blooming flowers. Oh, I like that. And I've got a memory. And hey, I rolled the one again. Wow, uh, these dice love rolling the same thing. A pact, promise, or debt. Oh, darn it. Okay, well, I was, I feel kind of foolish for, for making it the, that it was the desert where we, we swore this promise. That's, that's unfortunate because, well, what, what, whatever. So there was a pact, promise, or debt here. I'm less interested in debt. I definitely love pact and promises and I think in this valley this valley is one of the most unquestionably beautiful places that we have ever traveled through and I think the promise that we made to each other is that the beauty that exists in this place would remain here 
In a lot of ways, the reason that we went on our first journey and the reason that we took such pains to bury the sword is this, the beauty that exists here, the joy that this place on our world brought us. We felt that was important. We felt that was worth fighting for. We felt that it was worth suffering for. All of the terrible things that happened that we endured together on that journey were worthwhile things because this kind of beauty was allowed to exist somewhere in the world. That people could find this place and be here. That mattered to us. That mattered to us more than our own safety and our own happiness. And we fought for that against some of the most unimaginably cruel forces and terrible odds that anyone had ever faced. So I remember that promise. I think this was a promise that we made to each other lying in a blanket on this field. You know, this is near the desert. I think this is a valley full of like rolling hills with all of the swaying petals and leaves of these flowers. I don't think they grow so tall that it is difficult or unpleasant to walk through them. And I kind of feel like the gentleness with which you approach these flowers is the gentleness uh, with which they embrace you. So like when we laid down our blanket, they moved out of the way so that we could be a part of this place without crushing them. And where we were, surrounded by these rolling hills, although the terrible palace of the Demon King could be seen from anywhere with its glittering spire, here it felt was a place that its shadow could not touch. And we laid underneath the sun and few bare clouds and the wonderful scent of all of these blooms, which were eternal, always existing in the height of their love. We sat here, felt these things about this place and for one another, and we made a promise. We promised that what we were doing was for this place, for these feelings, for everyone. And now questions. Why do you feel compelled to continue forward? Uh, being in this place is a perfect reason to continue forward. I know that the man that Rayshard is, is still there, or the man that Rayshard was, I should say, is still there. The person who faced everything, fought everything, was cut down and built himself back up after every trial, did those things for this. And this is beautiful. It is beautiful whether I am enjoying it in the beaming presence of my sweet Richard. It is beautiful whether we are sharing a blanket 
or I am sitting here alone carrying this cold and wicked blade. It is beautiful when I am not here at all. And someone who commits themselves to that kind of beauty is good and should not, should not be forced on or have to endure a path of destruction. And so my role is necessary. What here comforts me? I think it's actually as simple as it's the flowers. They approach you with the gentleness that you approach them. And although I have a heavy heart, and although there is so much worry about what it is I have to do and all the things that are ahead of me, here there is sweetness, the beauty and gentleness that I fought for. I do make camp here. I do sleep here. And the aroma of the flowers and their powerful connection to some of my most treasured memories give me sweet and beautiful dreams. They are not lies, and they are not quite memories either. They are truths that exist within inside me, that I got to see and experience. That bolsters everything inside me, that brings me to the next difficult leg of this journey, the one before I end it. That brings me to the third location. Roll away. I get a two this time. And two is a city long abandoned to shadows. Ooh, that's really spooky and does feel like a great prelude to a climax. Let's figure out the question that exists here. Five. A doubt fear or regret oh terrible i follow up like the beauty of the promise and the flowers into this city that is abandoned to shadows i guess now we see a little bit of the terror that was this first journey that rayshard and i took together rayshard fought this city. He did not siege the city. He was one person, accompanied by me, his friend. He fought the city. Every individual person in this place was sworn under the power of the Demon King, and he had to fight every last one of them, cut them all down as the Demon King had placed them all as pawns before him on the gateway to the great beautiful fields that surrounded his golden palace. Richard faced a lot of trials on his journey, and I suppose because he did battle the Demon King and raise the golden spire to dust which became the desert, can't accurately say that it was his last trial but i think the trial that he faced here in this now city of shadows uh was his most difficult one because again he had to fight every soul in this city defeat them all 
cut them all down. The city is now a tomb, a remembrance. No one exists in this city anymore. And it is out of memory for what the demon king did. That he held so many under his power and threw their lives away. Not because he felt that they could best Rayshard. He knew they wouldn't. With a sword and me at his side, Rayshard was truly invincible. No. He set these people in front of Rayshard and forced Rayshard to fight them because it was the only way the Demon King had left to strike at him. It was to strike at his heart, to strike at his soul, to know that he was so close to achieving everything that he had fought for on this long journey, to protecting the beauty of the world that Richard was so committed to. He would have to perform this terrible act and it would feel so personal and so bitter. It was in many ways also my greatest trial as I had to pick up and build Richard back up into the hero that he would need to be when he approached the Golden Spire. So this place is full of regret, but it is also the the center of my doubts and fears as well, because it is when I saw my love at his most terrible. Rayshard was forced into this situation, was forced to fight all of these people. But he did fight them. He did cut them all down. And I was there to watch. I know the terrible things that he is capable of when he welcomes violence into his heart. And as much as some of those things might have been driven by the weight of the blade, his arm was there nonetheless. And his hand held the blade. What emotion arises in your heart as you remember? Anguish. Despair. It was not a place of a single despair. This was a place of a thousand despairs. The Demon King's power over these people was absolute. There are philosophers and scholars who would make the argument that those people were already dead. They had no control over their bodies. They were puppets to the Demon King. Those philosophers were not here. They did not witness the deeds that had to take place. They sat in their comfortable shelters and waited until Rayshard the Valiant and Paul the Friend had finished their journey. And then spent thousands of gallons of ink across millions of pages 
trying to justify the peace that Rayshard had brought them. If we had been able to pass over the City of Shadows, if we had been able to fight the Demon King, I think both of us believed that the people would simply be released. But it wasn't an option that we had. Whenever we tried to run, however we tried to move, people pressed in farther. They would destroy themselves to throw themselves at Richard's blade. Every single time a potentially innocent soul, or even a soul who had committed some misdeeds, who had done things wrong, but certainly didn't deserve to be cut down, fell before the blade, that was a despair. Something that to any other person would leave an indelible mark on their soul. Richard had to face thousands of times, and I had to sit beside him and try to counsel him through it. Why does your sword feel especially heavy here? I think, in some ways, the sword is weighed down by its deeds as well. It felt light as a feather, as petals on the wind as I moved through the meadow of rolling hills and eternal blooms. But here? Here it is, soaked through with the blood of all of the people it cut down in Richard's hands. Even if I were able to ignore the names that had been written on the walls, the strange statues that people put in the place of the people who used to live here, the things that cast shadows under the sun and moonlight. The blade would make the truth of this place unignorable. It is simply so present, so heavy, so undeniable that it was the instrument that wreaked this havoc, that unleashed the violence that took place here and erased this place, not just from what it used to be, but from ever being again, and make my way through the empty streets of the City of Shadows. This place has seen more death than any other place, but it feels so permanent. These buildings, although that they have, haven't been cared for or tended in years, they've only degraded to a point that shows their age. They haven't collapsed. They haven't caught fire. This place is a standing corpse. It can only rot away and degrade so much. Everything else has been calcified here. And long after our civilization ends and the hard-won peace that Richard and I ensured for the world is wiped out, this city will still be here. Those who study us and study our deeds will be able to confront the truth of this place better than anything else we accomplish. The things that I truly value, the things that I truly care about what we did on our journey, the reasons that I stayed in that oasis away from Rayshard, guarding and burying this sword, those are just words on a page. 
This city is a real and physical monument to death, and it is eternal. Oh, shoot. Ah, I missed the last part of these prompts, which is write down your answers and thoughts in a short letter to share with your former companion when you finally meet again. Repeat this process until you have completed six letters. Okay, so I mostly did monologues. I didn't I didn't write the letters. I'm gonna read the the ending this game section to see if I if I need to. I feel like a lot of those monologues stand pretty well on their own to share the story and my character's emotions surrounding it. Obviously, the letters would be great, cool artifacts, but also really difficult to pull off in an audio-only format. So I'm going to see how the ending would work, and you know, if I need to narrate some letters, I will. When you finish the sixth letter, boy, I've cut it down to three and also not writing letters, answer the following questions. Where do you find your companion waiting for you? The center of this city. There is a park that kind of rises up above most of it. It's where we got trapped. It's where the people of this place formed a circle and threw themselves at us until they were no more. It is the deepest pit of violence that exists, but it is this elevated plinth that can be seen from nearly every part of this place. I've mostly taken side streets and alleyways so that I didn't have to confront myself with it until it was truly time. But when I came upon it, of course Richard was there. Of course, when he was sunk into a path of destruction, he returned to the deepest pit of violence. What do you feel upon seeing them? You can't express emotion cleanly. Emotions get felt in in so many ways, and it is very possible to carry multiple feelings inside yourself. There is dread. There is fear. Again, I didn't leave that oasis lightly. I left that oasis because a part of me understood and believed that Richard had betrayed the most important oath that we had ever made, betrayed the thing that was going to ensure peace and goodness and beauty in our world for as long as those things could last and bloom. I know that I am here to stop him in a way that we never planned for, that we never discussed, that we didn't think would be necessary. In a way, this is a stranger to me in the body of my beloved, because I know the person that I cared so much for, this wouldn't have been necessary. But at the same time, that is my Rayshard. Although he might look pale, although he might look tired and angry and sad, he is my beloved, and I have seen him all of those things through our journeys. And I have not seen him in such a long time. And there is a part of me that feared I would never see him again. 
through all of the dread and fear, there is a swelling of hope, love, and relief. What memory of your journey and your relationship do you share with them? I approach the elevated plinth where Richard sits. His back is to me, but it is undeniable that he can feel me there. He looks out away from the field of flowers that exists outside the city, away from the golden desert and the oasis that was formerly the palace of the demon king, and towards a camp that is outside the city, emblazoned with his symbol. An army has been raised, and they follow Rayshard. He looks towards them. His face is difficult to read, even for one who knows him like I do. The one thing I recognize is that he is trying to be solemn. I say to him that I passed through the Valley of Blooms on my way to the City of Shadows. That I remember what it was like to be with him there. How we touched one another and the words that we said. The oath that we swore. I remember how those words and that oath brought down the golden spire and the demon king. And I tell him that that is why I am here now and today. That is why he chose to bury this blade. And that is why it is buried within me. There is a moment where I can tell Rayshard does not want to look at me. He looks out upon the terrible works that he has either done or intends to do. He cannot bring himself to meet my eye. I unsheath the sword. It has a ring to it. People imagine when they pull out a sword that is terribly sharp, full of violence, that it sings. This blade actually does that thing. It has the wicked presence and it is unmistakable. Rayshard turns to face me and face the blade. And the last question is, do I raise my blade? Oh boy. This is a hard one. I don't know 
if this character thinks they can save Rayshard or if they are trying to save the world from Rayshard or what they think saving Rayshard looks like. I think Paul is Paul the friend. Paul knows this person better than anyone. Paul also has come to know this blade as well. Whether Richard leads this army or some other fool, so long as this blade exists, it will lead the world to violence. Richard and I were hopeful. Hopeful for each other and the world. We felt that I could bury the blade within me and within our promise. That's not enough. I think the thing that we realized is that neither of us is strong enough to do that. But I think Paul hopes that it is a matter of strategy. That the blade and violence are things that call for sacrifice. But sacrifice, violence, loss, fear, and doubt, none of these things are eternal. There is only one thing in all this world that is eternal. And that is the bloom of those beautiful flowers in that waving, rolling valley. And they touch you with the gentleness with which you touch them. I think Paul extends a hand to Rayshard holding the sword at his side, preparing for one last gesture, offering to lead Rayshard away from this place of terrible violence through the city of shadows, back to the meadow, where we will bury this blade and all of its terrible potential within us, within our relationship, within who we are. And so that anyone who has the thought that they might wish to claim it will be confronted with beauty first. And perhaps that will stand to save the world that we fought to protect. I don't know if Richard accepts that or not. And thankfully, the game does not make me call that into question. But I suppose that is not me saying, no, I do not raise my blade. Wow, what a game. Uh, huh. Kind of, kind of heavy. Um, uh, but, you know, I, I, I don't know 
how I would make one of these a solo journaling game experiences anything but heavy. I kind of feel like that is the easiest thing to access uh, with this sort of thing. I, w- I do need to uh, interact with this genre more. Um, that that has definitely taught me this. And hey, this is not a game that I shrank away from, uh, which makes me very happy. Um, I feel very good about the fact uh, that this is in the Ultimate Micro RPG book. And, you know, every, everything everybody said about Keanu is right. <laughs> um, truly, what an incredible game. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and uh, please enjoy episode 500 of One Shot coming up next week. Wow. Until then, see you next time, heroes. This episode of One Shot features music from the following artists. Growing Pains by Featherland. West by Shimmer. Twilight Moon by Kayla Bethridge. Fractured Light by Stephen Keach. Murmur by Lost Ghosts. All I Have by Moments. We Fought Valiantly and Eroding the Will by Hill. Shifting Sands by Wicked Cinema. Sorrow by Enoch Yang. Drift by Bobo Renthley. Melting Point by Jed Stark, and Words for a Good Man by Lost Ghosts. This episode of One Shot was edited and sound designed by Tracy Barnett. You can find more of their work online anywhere at The Other Tracy. That's it for One Shot this week, but don't worry, we'll be back next week with episode number 500 of one shot can't wait for you to hear it as usual we end one shot with a call to action and heroes i am going to once again ask you to head to fivecalls.org look up the issues that are important to you and call your senators and representatives it is one of the best ways to make your voice heard it makes a huge impact and you can help prevent some very very harmful legislation from going forward so please take some time make some calls thanks heroes As always, a humble and hearty thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you want to help us in a non-monetary way, the best thing you can do is tell a friend. You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Every five-star review we get helps new people find the show. For the latest one-shot news, be sure to follow me on Twitter at OneShotRPG. Look us up on Facebook at Facebook.com slash OneShotPod, or look for news on the site at OneShotPodcast.com. If you want to inquire about ad rates, live appearances, commissioning episodes, or you have a general question or comment for the show, contact us at gamemaster at oneshotpodcast.com. One Shot is a production of the One Shot Podcast Network in association with Paracosm Press. Paracosm Press is a Chicago-based tabletop games publisher. You can find more information at p-a-r-a-c-o-s-m-press.com. Finally, that music, which is right now swelling up over my voice, is Adventure by Be Your Own Pet, courtesy of Infinity Cat Records. See you next time, heroes.
In the universe of Star Wall Odyssey, space is made out of the collective imaginations of all the thinking beings who live on various planets. These worlds are connected to each other through imagination. Common themes and ideas are strings between universes. And to get between them, people fly wooden ships that look like animals, which are powered by emotions. Also, people communicate with each other by contemplating orbs. The only way you can take pictures is getting stared at by a big psychic bug. And people have already declared victory in a war over the very concept of evil. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Star Wall Odyssey follows the adventures of the hapless inhabitants of the Lucky Finn Tenement Building, who suddenly find that their apartment is actually a spaceship, and that they're lost in a sea of boundless imagination. It's an actual play starring me, James D'Amato, Mel D'Amato, Ali Grauer, and Drew Merzieski, as we playtest the No Kings system, which will hopefully one day be the Skyjacks role-playing system. It toes the line between weird and wonderful slice of life and high-flying space fantasy. You can sample the first five episodes by searching for Star Wall Odyssey on your favorite podcast app, or get the whole thing by heading to patreon.com slash one-shot podcast and signing up for $5 a month or more.